1: Okay everyone. This is Bar Down Breakdown again, again with this absolute nonsense. We are still on the air. Uh, our sponsors haven't pulled out yet, which is unbelievable. Uh my room is not as messy as usual, and that's because um you know, we've got Nick. What's going on Nick? Nick uh is our homie from Chief State. Super duper excited to chat with him. Um we've had him on a long long time ago. Uh, I think back in 2020, wasn't it?
0: Yep, it was like the week of COVID or something like that, like the the week. the week it all went down.
1: It's the week of COVID, so now that we're talking again, there's going to be a new COVID. It's bullshit. Shouldn't have never done this. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that was bar down breakdown. See you guys later. No, hey Nick, man, thank you, <laughs> thank you so yeah, much for for chatting us. with us, man. Um, uh, really stoked to have you. Um, you know, I have uh, kind of been following ever since mikey put me on to you guys kind of been you know following chief state and all of the happenings and what have you for the past uh, year or two and uh you know i mean you know it's been a while uh you know since you you guys have have put out kind of your your last little bit of material so uh i'm understanding that there's some cool stuff to come uh won't necessarily press you for it immediately but uh i thank you for being on and um cool so let's 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 just kick it off with what's new? Like, you know, just what's new. I want to know what's new.
0: Yeah. There's a lot new. I don't, you know uh, you know, when we had uh, talked talk last um, tough love was either just about to come out or it had already come out. Uh, Cause kind of around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's new uh, you know, unfortunately just because of COVID and all that, we didn't really get to like tour to, to support that or anything like that. So it's kind of just done stuff online which has been cool um because mm-hmm. you know there's no necessarily like viral moment or anything like that it's not like anything really picked up steam like really super quick but mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like organically over the last like year and a half almost two two years i don't even know how long now but uh <laughs> however many almost years almost two it's been. years now okay <laughs> um yeah it's uh you know it's yeah just picked up uh its own kind of steam and uh just dropped uh, metaphors in the in the fall there uh just to kind of show people we're still around i guess but yeah, uh, heck yeah man. Yeah, we last year we recorded a full-length record and it will be coming out shortly and there will be a new song out a uh, single called team wiped uh in about two weeks time i believe march 13th if i'm correct
1: yeah that's yeah. what we like to hear man that is yeah that is great news um so uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the new record. Um, I guess question a, does it have a title that you can reveal?
0: It does have a title that I, I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, it's called uh waiting for your colors. Nice. Uh, spelled the Canadian colors with the U uh,
2: in it. You know, dude, I'll never forget right when word. I learned how to spell color the Canadian way and it was, because of city and color i was like what does this mean go. i don't get this word and then c- i realized
0: yeah
1: that's great um you know we're definitely really really excited for that um I- i'd love to hear a little bit more about um you know kind of the, the the process about uh getting that record kind of written and recorded just because you know you you guys released, um, you know, I guess like kind of like an EP LP sort of toe in the line. You know, we're talking about seven songs. And now, um, you know, most most times what I kind of find is like people go after, you know, 10 or 11 song records or something like that. Sometimes if you're feeling froggy, you'll go for 12. Or if you're origami Angel, you you want like 25 or some nonsense. great band. Great band. So, My girlfriend so just good. turned me on to them. They're oh. so good. I, I just had the opportunity to see them uh, a couple of nights ago on their, uh, their tour with uh, Spanish love songs in the wonder years. And uh, there's something I was else supposed
0: to see them in Seattle, but they, uh, the, the, the testing, I guess, hadn't uh, changed to get back into Canada. So we couldn't come down for a day trip, yeah, but we had yeah. tickets and everything. It was, yeah yeah pretty it's pretty it's a, pretty it's jealousy a you're not gonna lie that's I, I, a band. Know,
1: I'd i love to tell you uh some nonsense that like you didn't miss much but that would just really be a lie um yeah that's all good <laughs> it's you know it's the, the Wonder Years are one of those bands that like they've just like they've grown up like so much as musicians where uh you know I, I can recall 10 11 years ago going to see them and uh you know dan like would constantly have issues with his voice and like he could never make it through full sets and now these guys are so polished it's almost like um you know like seeing a band like green day or, or you know like weezer who are just who have it down to a science and they're just so good oh, yeah. but um but you know not to not to deviate from what we're talking about here so you guys um you know you've kind of come along and you've, you have this new full length so uh how did it kind of start? Like where, where did the Genesis of it start as far as the writing process is concerned? um, You know, and then how did it kind of develop into, into, you know, the, the kind of full concept that you guys did and um, you know, just give me a little bit of insight there, please love to hear about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, Chief State's always kind of been a weird uh, kind of like, obviously we're one band and we have one sound, but uh, kind of Fraser and I are kind of the main writers and we don't often write, together if that makes sense um okay we will like at a certain point but uh kind of to get the the bones of it out for the most part like it's mm-hmm. either just like me coming up with either something full or just like a fully kind of instrumental kind of okay. flushed out there and then he'll add like his lyrics over top or like he'll just come out with like full um you know songs basically front to back and I'm just kind of wow. coming in and cleaning some things up and cool. um then Chris gets to add uh kind of her drum parts there and you know, it's, uh, yeah, kind of collaborative in the end, but at least like the seeds of it are kind of very individual. Um, so just in general, I mean, we kind of started to come together uh, pretty shortly after Tough Love had, had released because we realized that we weren't going to be able to tour on it. So uh, it was kind of important for us to, to just get back in the studio right away and, and start um, working on something new, um, mm-hmm. something that we at the, you know, tail end of what was hopefully going to be a couple of weeks and then a couple of months. And then now <laughs> here we are, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. So that was kind of the idea of it was, um, was that I think there was, uh, just a couple songs that were just in the demo folder from, from ages ago, sure. um, that, uh, we were able to rework and a few that, uh, just kind of came kind of throughout like most of 2020, basically. Okay. Um, for instance, like the first, uh, single we're releasing is called team white has nothing to do with anything in the song i called my demo that because i was playing a lot of Warzone at the beginning of uh at the beginning of the pandemic so i I just had this like cool idea i was like okay i'm just gonna call it team white here we go Mm -hmm. and uh it just kind of stuck so um yeah so a little bit of that and i mean as far as like you know themes go or um kind of what we were trying to do with it um some of the other guys in, in, in the band are a little bit older um than I am they're kind of uh, 30 or touching it or, you know, getting up there. I'm only 24 myself. So, um, but you you know, they (laughs) at least Fraser kind of likes to frame it as it's kind of like going through your twenties. You can almost like the first track on the record. I think I sent you guys the, uh, the link to that, but uh, yeah, the first track on the record uh, there is called continental drift. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably my favorite track on the record, if I'm being honest. Um, And it's just kind of about like, like being a little bit older and looking back on like your younger self and kind of realizing that you didn't necessarily like make the most of all your opportunities or didn't necessarily live life to your fullest. And just kind of looking back with regret, not necessarily like fully regretful, but just kind of like, damn, I might've missed out on something. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, Yeah. And just kind of looking back, uh, you know, retrospectively
2: that way. Cool. I I can relate. Like, (laughs) Wish I just put more into my four hundred and one k at like twenty one. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. go into exactly. instant replay every Wednesday night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, like, would you really trade that for the world? Though, I mean, like, instant replay. Hey, ha- I could,
2: if I could retire at sixty instead of sixty five. Yes yes i would trade that sorry Tom.
1: instant replay had good wings that's all that's all i could tell you about that um so yeah like um you were talking about kind of the first track of the record and i'm always interested in um you know hearing kind of the perspective on sequencing and stuff like that so um when you had written uh you know like the first track of the record like did you have like first track of the record like in mind no okay so
0: well kind of kind of okay i think originally when i wrote team white which is the second track on the record now Mm -hmm. um In my brain, I was like, this would be a really good opener, I think. Um, But for one reason or another, um, it was maybe even like six months after I'd I'd already finished that and we already decided and already actually finished completely recording Team Wipe. That song's over like two years old now at this point. Yeah, yeah, we recorded it in the fall of 2020. So uh, or not over two years old, I guess like a year and a half, but Mm -hmm. uh, still like it's getting up there uh, oh, yeah, you know, for sure. and uh, I still hasn't heard they've seen the light of day. So that's kind of wild. But uh, yeah, I, when I um, just came up with that, um, it was just a complete instrumental. I didn't have any words for it at all. Okay. Um, I just, just kind of, sometimes I'll just kind of have an idea on the guitar and I'll just kind of bang it out in like a, yeah, sure. in an afternoon, super, yeah. super rough, I'll send it over to Fraser and he'll, he'll be able to kind of throw something on top of it. And that's exactly what happened. And I think once we had uh, kind of finished it a little bit more, it was like, okay, yeah, like this, this definitely has to start. And then we kind of tailored the ending so that it perfectly leads into Team Wipe. So it's like cool, a, a really cool one, two punch off like the hop, which I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of uh, It's just when you kind of get like two really fast songs off yeah. the hop. Um, but even further to that, I think like the rest of the first half of the record even is mm-hmm. just kind of like back to back to back to back, like five yeah. songs in a row of just like kind of, but they're they're fast songs. I think they're well paced. I think they're each one's a little bit different Uh, and kind of says its own kind of tells its own story that way, which I think is kind of what you want. And especially like we're only Mm -hmm. doing 10 songs. So I kind of want to show a bit of diversity there. It is still a pop punk record. So Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, take what you will from that. Um, (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I'd like to think that we really made a record that um, like myself at 16, I would be stoked to like, listen to that if I was just like kind of getting into it again, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's why you write music, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah. you know, you, you write music that you enjoy listening to. Like, I remember like, you know, when I was in bands and I would get masters, like, you know, from stuff that like we've written and recorded, I would listen to it like until the wheels fell off just because oh, it was sure. something that was so interesting to me. And then like, you, you know, you, you listen to it a little bit critically, but then after like, you listen to it critically, um, you know, you just start to listen to it just to kind of, you know, sit back and, and realize like, wow, this is like, you know, something that didn't exist a year ago that now is tangible, you know, I, which I think is like, totally. the, I think that's one of the coolest things about music is, is that the tangibility of it, you know, when it comes down to it, like, you know, you come, you had nothing. It's almost like, uh, you know, if you, if you look at it like a physical art, right. I mean, like you've got a blank canvas and then all of a sudden you throw all this stuff onto it, but it's the same. I mean, you have this blank space in between, you know, your two ears. Right. And then all of a sudden, now there's something which is which is really super cool
0: for sure it was awesome i think for all of us in the band like this was our first uh time tackling like an lp like for any Mm -hmm. of us Uh, yeah for sure we've we've all been in bands before but just have never done uh, you know it's quite the commitment you know it's 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 a Mm -hmm. lot of songs it's a lot of uh writing and i think if you're really doing your due diligence like and spending the time on it it's like that much more daunting of a task almost Mm -hmm. because at least you know there's like four other people that are always kind of involved in it and they're sure, kind of just yeah. as equally wrapped up in it as you are. And it's like, of course. you know, a super, uh, yeah. Unique situation, I think. And, and yeah. just awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's like, you see that kind of blank, um, that blank whiteboard, right. You know, like where mm-hmm. you put, put all of the songs, uh,
2: <laughs> Oh, it's Joe right there. Let's go. There it is. <laughs> I love it. So I guess I just have a question because clearly I'm an old fart and I don't play video games anymore, but like, What's the team wiped? Is that like a a certain like level on the game or?
0: So it's uh, basically, uh, you, you know what Call of Duty is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So basically there's 150 players uh, in like this, like smallish map. So it's, it's, pretty, it's still pretty big. Uh, you're in a squad of three. So your, your team is three. So there's like, uh, what is that? 50 teams of three. So 150 total. Uh, anytime you like come across another team and you like, I guess shoot them and like kill them, which is very violent. But uh, <laughs> anytime that happens to a full team, uh, it'll give you a, like a like a it'll make a noise and then on the screen it comes up it says team wiped. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, usually uh, my team. Did you know that Tom? getting wiped? But uh, I mean,
1: like I I've I knew of it, but like I wasn't going to like show my cards and like be as grandpa as you were, where you were like I don't know what team wiped is. What is that Mario? Like, like jesus jesus none of the none of the cool kids are going to listen to this podcast now they're going to be like wow like mikey hasn't played a video game since sega saturn you know like just brutal absolutely brutal
2: <laughs> they don't even know what sega saturn is
1: well that's i a don't shame. know what a sega
2: saturn is No, nah, you're
1: and you're lucky because the controller was so stupid and dumb and the sega dreamcast controller was also stupid and dumb i can talk about how stupid and dumb all the video games were growing up that i played but um, I mean, like, but that was kind of like, like as an interesting way to kind of transition into like the, the next thing I want to talk about. It's like, so there was, um, you know, for me growing up, there was always a very like heavy correlation between like playing video games and, and like listening to music. And I kind of still do it to this day. Like I have really, really deep, like, um, MLB to show like, s- like seasons where like I'm in like my sixth season and I just like, well, sometimes like like turn the sound off and just throw on music and listen to like a couple of records and just like, play I do through. that
0: exclusively. Like I, I don't even think I have the game volume on for, yeah. I, I play a lot of NHL and I, I, I don't even have like, yeah, the, right? like, the it's, game volume on at yeah, all. Yeah.
1: You don't even like, you really don't even need to like, I mean like maybe when you're first playing it, like you kind of want to understand like the sounds and the haptics of it all. But then like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you can kind of zone out and play a couple games and then just, you know, kind of listen to some stuff. So um to, to that end, um you know, so talking about your, your newest record, um, you know, I, I, guess like what went into, uh, you know, we talked about kind of the recording and all that kind of stuff. And so what went into like, uh, I guess the, the production of it, like, were you working with, uh, like a, like a producer or something like that, that was kind of giving you some, some insight. Yeah. I mean, if you can love yeah, to yeah, a little yeah, about we, that. We, yeah. uh,
0: we did the record again. Uh, it was, um, produced and engineered by Tim Creviston, also mastered by Tim. Um, mm-hmm. Tim's done all of our records basically. Awesome. Um, okay so nothing more than this um he did a a good amount on tough love and uh mixed and mastered that as well i believe and then um yeah this was a yeah full engineer full full production and then we sent it to sam guyana in toronto to uh to mix he's just done loads of pop punk bands he also did our uh first release with mutant league nothing more than this and he killed it on the mix this time it's uh really took it to a really cool place um but yeah we just uh we we worked with tim it was um it was during covid so um you know it wasn't really like a we didn't do the whole we're gonna get into a studio all together for a couple weeks thing it was uh tim just kind of has his own uh space and um we sent him basically like the full structures and like our demos of everything we just kind of worked off of that i came in first and um we just did like all of the guitars um and then Joe came in, he did some of the bass there, um, and then we finished off with vocals, and, and that was kind of it. It took uh, about, I want to say, like a month, probably, start to finish, um, mm-hmm. but that was just, you know, we were only in there for maybe a couple hours, a couple times a week sort of deal. It was, okay. uh, yeah, bit, a bit of time between everything, but I think we kind of knew roughly where we wanted to take it, but uh, yeah, sure. it was cool to see it like evolve over the course of that month for sure.
1: Yeah. And then I guess to, uh, you know, to that point as well, um, you know, working with a, with a producer, I, you know, I know you said that a lot of the songs are kind of, you know, you and Fraser kind of just like are building them yourselves. So, um, I always like to ask this question to, to you know, to people just because it, it you kind of get different responses from everybody. But what was the experience like? I mean, I know you did it with Tough Love, but, you know, on this new record, what was the experience like having, you know, someone kind of do production on these songs and maybe like take a song that you had and sort of, you know, chop it up and change it? Um, you know, because I, I, I know sometimes that could be kind of like a hard pill to swallow. And I know a lot yeah. of people don't like to admit that, you know, because at the end of the day, a producer is you know they're, they're a producer for a reason because you know they're they they have a good acumen for that sort of thing but i mean um yeah. what was that experience like you know like kind of having you know some changes done to some stuff and you know maybe you're kind of looking at it like at, at first glance like oh man you know like I, I thought this was a perfect song and now all of a sudden you know the the pre-chorus gets changed the bridge gets changed and all that kind of stuff you know
0: for sure yeah i think when i uh when we first did uh our, our first ep nothing more than this it was also with tim um, we were just like recording that in his bedroom, but he was still like producing and, you know, obviously giving his opinion on stuff. And yeah, yeah. also as a band, like we really didn't know who we were. I was super young. I think I was like 19 when we recorded that um, mm-hmm. or something like that. So, you know, that was kind of a tough pill to swallow for like me at the time. I think by like at at this point now I've kind of gone through it enough and, and we've done enough. And I think like, I, I know what I'm trying to accomplish now and kind of, I think how to get there for the most part. And if I don't, Luckily, like Tim is a great, uh, person to kind of bounce things off of. He also is just like such a musical person. He's such a natural with it all. I think like the guy, if you, uh, creep his Instagram, I think it's just at Tim creviston. Uh, he just has like videos of him, like, like, like just tapping and, you know, doing the whole like thing, like sweet (laughs) picking the whole Mm -hmm. like nine, like he shreds. Uh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: and not only that, like he, he does it like on like acoustic and, um, he's an amazing bass player. And mm-hmm. him and I really bonded over um, the fact that um, in a lot of my, like, songs, song demos or whatever, I was just putting, like, these ridiculous, like, bass lines in. Because I've always thought that was kind of a cool thing that um, pop punk did, but not necessarily a lot of other, like, rock genres mm-hmm. uh, were doing at the time. I think, like, even just back to, obviously, like, old Blink and stuff, there's, yeah, sure. there's some cool lines in there. I think um, that Neck Deep record that came out a couple years ago had, to, like, some really tasty stuff on that. Mm-hmm. Um at least just in terms of like punk bass right yeah. um obviously like less than jake is like crazy for oh yeah you know, all of that right so mm-hmm. um yeah just uh kind of imparting a little bit of that on this record and uh you you know i feel like a lot of uh producers might have been like hey like maybe let's like simplify that a little bit or you know so mm-hmm. we can let it ride but yeah. uh, i don't think it like necessarily covers anything up it just kind of adds that uh that nice little like flourish or variation to kind of different Mm -hmm. sections. And um, it's like synced up with some drum fills and some really cool parts. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it really ties it all together. So um, to answer your question, long story short, it was great. Um, I love working with Tim. So.
2: Cool. So I guess my question for you is about the song metaphors. Um, Is that going to be on the upcoming release or is that just a standalone single?
0: Uh so it's not gonna be on the upcoming release. That song actually um I wrote it after we'd already finished the like recording of uh, Waiting oh, for wow. Your Colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so I think that's why like if you I feel like if you listen to Tough Love and then you listen to Metaphors, like that's it's it's a very different it's obviously like you know, I we're we're the same band or whatever. It's not like it's a, a quantum leap in any direction or whatever, but uh it's definitely like a change, I think. It's a little more poppy, but also like we're going a bit more kind of heavy on some vocal stuff and um i think just trying to write like catchier songs to to a degree right um that are still i guess saying something i don't know Uh, (laughs) but uh yeah i I would have loved to include it on the record but uh, i i think it kind of sits best as a as a standalone there awesome Um, so yeah just uh just a one-off but uh i don't know i honestly consider it kind of in the same like era i think it's just a with all the delays and i know like vinyl production and stuff like that i think it was just like too too late to once we had to submit it
1: yeah that's a that's a that's a tough thing in itself that we've discussed many many times and it just burns a fire in my brain so i don't I hate talking about it but uh so one of the things i did want to um touch upon because you sort of mentioned it that uh, you know tough love came out and whatever touring plans you guys had you kind of had to kind of you know p- Drop the hammer on because of COVID. And so you had these seven songs that really didn't get much, much play in terms of getting out there and, and gigging. So, you know, now with this new record coming out, and I'm sure you have touring plans and all that kind of great stuff. Um, h- how are the sets going to look like? Is it kind of tough? Because I mean, like you've got these, these, these songs that are already out there in the universe that I'm sure people are going to want to, hear and sing along too. But at the same time, you've got this whole new breath of work that I'm sure you guys are ultra proud of. And you want to get that out there as well. So um, how have you kind of navigated that? Like what's, what are your sets looking like?
0: Yeah. Uh, we actually haven't really fully put together anything quite yet. Uh, okay. We played a show back in December. That was our first show in like two years. Um, awesome. And the set was um, mostly just tough love stuff. And then we played, uh, we played team wipe. Then we played metaphors. Okay. Uh, so we just, it was a, just an opening set. Cool. So we only did, uh, did eight songs on that one. But yep. uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, yeah, there's one from, or two from Nothing More Than This, four from Tough Love, and then just two new ones. So mm-hmm. uh, probably, I would, I would imagine a, a split something like that. Um, if all goes according to plan, we should be on the road through June uh, awesome. into July with Great. the record coming out sometime in there. Uh, without revealing too, too, too much. So uh, obviously we'll be on the road a little bit before the record's out. So I think, um, you know, uh, as much as I would love to just like do full like sets of of the record, I think uh, we'll, we'll have to do some older stuff too, but that's all good. I think those songs are a lot of fun to play.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: So I guess my question is about that night that you talked about in December, because if I'm not mistaken, that was the show. Uh, with youth fountain right sure was yeah so tell me like to get back out there again for the first time after two years you know your homies with youth youth fountain they're kind of under a new identity new kind of formula and then it's a hometown show i'm assuming it probably sold out or was close to selling out so like walk walk us through that night
0: yeah, it was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, just being able to to get back up on stage and and do it again after kind of that long. Um, I'm. I also have like a side project called uh, Later Days that actually I'd played a show the night before, so I think that had kind of taken the most of the jitters away, which was nice. So I just kind of got to uh, just like play the show, which actually was honestly fun because I think sometimes, especially like when you haven't done it a lot, you can like psych yourself out a little bit. So. Uh kind of having that uh that weight off was, was awesome. But uh that that show was awesome. Like um, you know, seeing it was unfortunately like a COVID capacity, so I think it was only half cap, but it was still probably like well up over a hundred in a in a pretty small room. Um, you know, we there's supposed to be like chairs and it was like a seated show or whatever, but I mean people ended up moving chairs and like moshing and stuff. So like that was that was great to see. Um Good to see like a lot of friends that I haven't even seen in you know year and a half, two like since COVID started basically, right? Um, and yeah, it's uh, I don't know, cool to see that people I guess to some degree still care about kind of what uh, what we're doing, what our bands are doing in, in Vancouver. So yeah,
2: always well, a good thing. I was looking at your your Spotify rap over the past couple of years, and you guys broke a million yearly streams, and you know considering all things that you guys had to deal with you know putting a record out in the middle of covid not being able to to tour like that that must have lit a fire under you guys to keep going right
0: yeah to a degree i think like i don't know necessarily know if uh any of us really particularly buy into the the streams aspect of it or kind of the um obviously like in terms of being able to sustain yourself like as an artist you know you you need an audience of some some capacity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, I, think at this, this point, like, uh, you know, most of us are just kind of in it to, cause we enjoy doing it and we like writing music. And uh, I think like this record really showed us that kind of side of it and how great that side of it can be. And, and kind of distancing yourself almost from, from that, like it was awesome and super rewarding to, to hit that and to see like, well, like a million streams on, you know, this thing that we just kind of, you know, did I get you know what I mean? Just like songs mm-hmm. that we wrote in our whatever living rooms or closets or wherever, right? <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, that's super rewarding. I don't necessarily know if uh, you know, we're, we're too kind of wrapped up in that these days, but um, regardless, I mean, it you know, fingers crossed this uh, record leaving even do better.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great to know that you know a lot of a lot of ears are getting onto your your stuff, which is you know really really important. Uh, but at the same time, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, at a certain point. Um, you know, the art kind of just supersedes the, the the analytics, as they say, you know. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. And I mean, obviously, you know, you guys gained a lot of traction with Tough Love, and I'm sure this record is going to, you know, do do great things for you guys. Um, so just going back to kind of the, um, you know, the the writing process and kind of cultivating this record, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the, I guess, some of the influences that you guys kind of sought when you were, um, I guess, the question I should ask is this. So, tough love versus um you know waiting for your colors um what changed in your listening habits as a band uh that maybe influenced some of how this new record sounds versus how tough love sounded
0: that's a really thoughtful question first of all uh but uh yeah you know what i i almost like to think of it at least for myself i like i don't know about the other guys but like personally speaking um I think like well before even we did Tough Love, my kind of like listening had kind of shifted away from a lot of like punk and like pop punk and making mm-hmm. uh, like metal and, and more into kind of like pop and indie and um, now even like a little bit of country and a little, yeah, you know sure. what I mean? Just like a little bit of, uh, kind of kind of everything and like, you know, going back and listening to like stuff from like the 70s and 80s and all that oh yeah oh yeah yeah. i've just started kind of diving into the beatles a little bit never got into Mm. those kids like that's kind Mm -hmm. of you know what i mean i've kind of i personally started that shift i think a, a long before even tough love but um i feel like as a writer like when i was writing stuff for tough love it kind of felt like i was trying to write something that i thought a band should sound like whereas with like this record i didn't think even about like I was just like writing just because like covid had just started you know yeah. so, well, whatever right I, it was just mm-hmm. like things were coming out and that's that's what was happening so it was almost like an, instead of almost trying to force a like a vision or uh mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it onto onto like the song or what the record yeah. is or what the record should be it was just kind mm-hmm. of like a collection i think of um songs that were written even across like varying times, obviously, like there's one song on the record called it's the ninth track called uh, "Kills the Loved, Haunts the Free." Fraser had that song I think like six or seven years ago. It's about, oh, wow. um, yeah, one of his uh, family members that was, um, I had, believe, had like terminal cancer or something like oh, that, um, and he was kind of like away um, and just kind of dealing yeah. and navigating with that, right? And I sure. remember hearing that that song when I first met him. Uh, he just had like a demo of it on his on his computer. And like I, I kind of knew at that moment, I was like, "This is like obviously super rough, but I think just like the the power behind it was was definitely there." Um, and I told them, "I was like, we're going to use this one day. You don't know it, but uh, it's going to happen." Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, like you know, again six years later, it's like we yeah. we were able to kind of record that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of variation, but uh, yeah. overall, I think like we really came into our own as like as a band, and I feel like it, before I wasn't necessarily able to say that like Chief State sounded like this but i think Mm -hmm. now there's something i think you could point to be like okay this is what this band sounds like and like i guess it's like a little bit derivative in that like it's pop punk at this point like you know most things have Mm -hmm. kind of been done in one shape way shape or form at some point like and you know unless you're origami angel you're not uh you know (laughs) really Mm -hmm. reinventing the wheel there sure uh you know great band oh my goodness i I actually (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: they really are so good um (laughs) But like there's something to be said about like the cathartic feeling about, um, you know, writing stuff that you don't need to feel pigeonholed about. Right. I mean, like and pop punk, I think in in 2022 and even probably, you know, a couple of years before this has um, I think has changed so much and it can be a lot of different things. And, you know, I cite a record like um, uh, Proper Dose by The Story So Far, right, as like something that pop punk can be. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it can still feel like pop punk, but it doesn't have to have, you know, like those 808 bass drops and it doesn't have to have like, you know, those like booming anthemic choruses constantly. It can be what you want it to be. Um, And and I think that's a great thing. I really do. And I think that um, as we like as the world just like kind of navigates, you know, the importance of being able to, um, you know, kind of show showcase your own styles and not have to kind of like, you know, bake yourself into a cake that, you know, everybody is going to eat. You know, you can just kind of realize that like, Hey, listen, you know, you can eat this cake. You can tell me you don't like it, but at the end of the day it's my fucking cake, you know? So that's kind of the way I I, I think about it truthfully. Of course.
0: And on the note of like proper dose too, like that album in particular, I think is, was a huge influence on, uh, a lot of, I think, like the instrumental parts of the record, especially mm-hmm. um, there's uh, I remember seeing like an Instagram video, I think of uh, I think it's in Keep It Up. There's like that guitar part, but they put it through like a talk box.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it kind of sounds like it's 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 almost like a wah pedal, but it's obviously yeah. like, with with a voice just going like making weird noises or whatever. Yeah, yep. um, And yeah, I, I like that kind of opened my mind up a lot to to being able to like use just guitar effects that like you'd probably use when you first like started playing guitar because like it was probably like your you know uncle or something that got you into it and he really liked like i don't know like metallica or something so now you have like all these like you have like a flanger and like a phaser and like a bunch of other like weird you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then stuff oh, yeah. like that right uh, just going back to that it would literally be i'd get to a part and i you know think like if i couldn't really think of uh a really compelling like melodic guitar lead or something sometimes i just like put a, a droning like high chord and then just like affect it with a bunch of different things and Hell then yeah. that's the lead now right so, yeah and i mean no, no, not being afraid to do that yeah. yeah
1: yeah and you shouldn't be i mean you know that goes back to we we're just talking about the beatles before i mean that goes back yeah. to tomorrow tomorrow never knows right i mean like they yeah. literally recorded uh that on on just like a, like a constant circular um platform that just kept moving so it had this Overarching effect of like kind of going far away and then coming near and going far away and it's just like you know there you know pop punk doesn't just have to be like you know like I I you know I hearken it back to like the early two thousands because I'm that old but you know like it doesn't have to be like you know your your shitty Mexican strat and like a metal zone pedal like it can be whatever you want yeah, you don't have to call us out like that man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but no, dude. It, it, and, but that's the truth. But really, really excited to to uh, to kind of, you know, hear what's on the horizon for you in terms of the new record. Uh, so before we kind of jump into talking a little bit of Canucks hockey, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about our sponsor and DraftKings. And um, <clears throat> as I as I cough my life away, um, you know, we're kind of still navigating, um, you know, some of the, the better parts that are happening in, in the hockey season for us Islander fans, it kind of seems like it's almost over. Uh, but you know, if you were like a Knicks fan too, you'd probably also feel that it's over, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> Oh, God, it's such a bummer. New York sports is such a bummer to me. Anyways, uh, DraftKings is an official uh, official sports betting partner on the NBA, and uh, this particular deal is really, really awesome. It's actually too good to pass up. So uh, I I don't like this music. I don't like it. Um, But listen, uh, new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. So it's that simple. Uh, If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Uh, Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. And they're giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and you can use that promo code THPN, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, even though we're talking about the NBA, THPN the hockey podcast network just bet $1 any NBA team get $150 in free bets if they win and that's promo code THPN and that's a DraftKings Sportsbook they're an official sports betting partner of the NBA uh, remember you're going to be 21 years or older minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction uh, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources void where prohibited minimum five dollar deposit And uh, if you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, you can call or text the Tennessee Red Line, which is at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, you can call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, you can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Promo code THPN. Get started. So, uh, it's hard to read that with this weird background music. It just, it's so good. It's, it's not as good as you think it is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We were jamming. That was great. I like to keep you on your toes. I want to just see how professional you are, Tom. You're going to do do it over some lo-fi.
1: You're going to do the read next time. And I'm just going to make you do it over like black Bubblegum" by the Dillinger escape plan. And (laughs) you're just going to have to deal with it. So, um, but It's cool because, um, you know, like DraftKings is just one of those things where it's like, it's kind of starting to develop in all these different States. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different sports books apps and and things like that. Um, I think it kind of gives people an extra edge when they're, uh, trying to get reinvested in sports. Like me as a, as an Islander fan, thank you very much, man. I, you know, I appreciate it. I try to be as professional as I can. Um, but you know, like as an Islander fan who it's tough to be, um, invested just because they're playing so poorly it's great to kind of have like an extra thing to latch on to to keep myself invested in the NHL um on that note uh obviously you being a Vancouver Canucks fan uh you're probably used to those same ups and downs you know kind of uh them being a a, you know having a fantastic squad and then maybe not so much and then kind of going up and down so um, pain's part of it man yeah i mean it's <laughs> it, it is i mean that's that's hockey in a nutshell i mean if you're if you're not getting ready for pain i don't know what you're getting ready for but uh so let's talk uh the canucks season so far um you know kind of been a lot of ups and downs that there has been for a lot of the nhl teams uh but uh over there on the west coast um you know you guys now having the you know the kraken as a part of the whole kind of s- escape there i guess but uh What's uh you know what's been positive for you guys uh, for the Canucks season so far? What have you uh, kind of you know been hanging on to in terms of uh, some hope for the future? Two words: Thatcher
0: Demko. That's all. End.
1: <laughs> Love <it>. you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I mean, there's obviously been uh like I I would say more uh, often than not it it's been a not a great story uh, this year despite the record. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like, almost anyone around here will tell you that it's it's because of, of Demko, basically. He's just stealing games left and right. It's nuts. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, th- there's that. I think, uh, finally, especially in recent weeks, uh, you've seen, like, kind of uh, a couple other players start to turn around. I know Patterson's been, like, caught lately, which is great. He was off to a slow start. And they said he was uh, kind of injured at the beginning of the season, too. But, uh, like, obviously no one's saying anything. So... Um, that would probably explain uh, a bit of that, but uh, yeah, there's been uh, a lot of, a lot of highs and lows, Uh, more, more lows than highs for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The season kind of started off pretty terribly and ended with, uh, with uh, like chance throughout the arena to like fire the GM and like for the owner to sell the team and stuff. Uh, So that was pretty wild. Uh, I think like a Jersey got thrown on the ice uh, when they were playing the Penguins. Uh, And, I, I just remember watching the video of, like, the Penguins player, like, being like, okay, you guys, like, t- like take, you don't want to do this, like, take it, don't, come on, yeah. like, <laughs> mm-hmm. doesn't have to go down like this, and yeah. then the next day they fired everybody, uh, so, <laughs> I don't know, like, as a fan, I, you know, in, in terms of, like, the long-term outlook, uh, it, it seems pretty positive now, you know, they hired, like, basically everyone from Pittsburgh, so that's excellent, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I guess, yep. um, and, uh, yeah, the team's been, like, kind of winning But then, when they've been losing, it's been like really bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I really don't know what to expect. Probably not the playoffs, but like that. I mean, I'd enjoy that still. So
2: yeah, I feel like as Islander fans, under like the, I guess in the Tavares era, we had so many seasons. Dark times. They kind of were like you. (laughs) It's hard to think that like our dark times had. A superstar of the nhl like on our team but it's true like there were some really dark years but a lot of times we were exactly in the same position that you guys are in where we're like four or five points out of that like last wild card like do we squeak in and then just like lose first round and like that was basically like the 10 years that Tavares was on the islanders Mm -hmm. and like Honestly, I feel like that might be one of the worst positions to be in because like if you get in the playoffs it's like uh you know we're going to have to play the best team in the conference like this is going to be a tough uphill battle. Yes it happens in the NHL, but it's still like it's 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 tough. And then like you also then don't get a great draft pick, so then it's really hard to like build those next couple of years and like exactly i think that was what plagued the islanders is where we're getting like middle of the rap middle of the mid first round draft picks that they're kind of a toss-up at that point where you're like maybe these guys make the nhl maybe they don't make it to the nhl and a lot of those guys that we did draft aren't in the nhl right now so it's a tough spot to be in so how are you feeling about that
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, uh, I don't want to throw shade on John Tavares' name, but uh, I'm just saying Toronto also hasn't made it out of the first round since he's got there, so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not a mathematician, but I see a common denominator. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, but uh, in all seriousness, no, I mean, like, you got to think, like, there's 16 playoff spots every year. There's, I guess, 32 teams now, so half will make it, half will Mm -hmm. not. Yep. And those who are on, who are kind of in, you know, I would say the, basically if you're not like top in your division, essentially, or like, you know, if you don't have a significant lead by around this time in the season, right? You're either looking to uh, divest yourself of all of your player, your playoff interest or aggressively acquire everyone else's stuff they're selling, right? So I think, I mean, it's just like a gamble year to year, right? And, And depending, obviously, I would imagine on like, certain owners are more going to be more inclined to like, be like, okay, chips in, like, let's just get some playoff games, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. versus, you know, Hey, actually we would like a championship. We would like to, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the year. Uh, it doesn't look very sustainable. It doesn't really look like we'll go too far. So um, yeah, I mean, I think just in general, it's uh, just a tough thing to balance, obviously. Cause like, as a fan, you want to see your team win. You don't want to see your team like perpetually lose like over and over and over again, or even, you know, get somewhat close to maybe having an opportunity to win, but really never get there or the times they do, it's kind of really disappointing. I think that's really been, been the story of at least Vancouver hockey just, you know, a couple uh moments of glory in there, but uh, for the most part, it's been uh, really just disappointment. I mean, we never won, we've never won still.
2: So the yeah. yeah. <laughs> so close if you guys just would have beat the rangers in 94 you would have yeah. made tom and my my own life a lot better yeah, that because... would have been
0: that would have been great and we can all blame uh vancouver's favorite uh super villain mark messier for that
1: so <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah i mean um you know it's the one of the only times in the universe where someone says they're gonna win and then uh they actually win there's like joe namath and mark messier i feel like
0: <laughs> kept linden in the ribs when he was down like he like broke sure. his ribs and then like stomped on him or something like that.
1: Yeah, Mark, Mark like, Messier is a, is, a, <laughs> a, is a is a bald piece of shit. That's what I'm telling you. True. Um, but fuck um Mark Messier. I, I definitely want to get back into this Mark Messier chat because uh I you know, I have feelings about it, but I want to talk about my my boy from right here in Orlando, Florida, Quinn Hughes. Oh yeah. Who uh you guys have locked up for like 8 million years. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, remember that kind of draft class and them talking about like, he's the kind of one of those top five defensemen that, you know, teams can build around. Uh, but, you know, I think he's been kind of, uh, I know he, I think like three full years, essentially, including this year, um, based on what you've seen out of him, you know, what are you thinking? do you think he's really going to be the chip to sort of start to start to build, you know, a, a better organization around?
0: Yeah, there's no question. I think like um he came in like super young obviously and yeah. like crushed it the first year. And then last year in a covid season uh didn't really crush it, but he was still like really, really good offensively, I think. Mm-hmm. Like he was he's was almost near a point per game for a defenseman, which is crazy. Wow. Um and he's <laughs> only like 20 or 21 or something like that. So uh this yeah. this season like rebounded quite a bit. Um mm-hmm. same deal, I think he's uh, I think he's still top 10 in scoring with defensemen. Um, and yeah, it, it's interesting to see because I, I don't think like Vancouver has had a, a defenseman like that before who's been able to kind of control the offensive zone and patrol the blue line as well as he can. Like he can just mm-hmm. kind of shake guys off and he can walk and he can, he can dash and whatever. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I I'm interested to see see the guy in a couple more years because I think like the one thing that uh you might be able to slight him on is, is his shot because he is more of like a passer, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but oftentimes uh getting that shot from the point's pretty important, right? If you just wanna, you know, tips, deflections, whatever, right? So even just you know, taking a shot and banging into rebound or something. So I think um over time, you're just going to see that guy get like a lot better. Um, and he's already like every time he steps on the ice, you can literally see he's like technically the best skater. Um, oh, yeah, effortless. He's playing like 30 minutes a night almost. I, I think some nights it's, it's crazy.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's incredible. He's you know the, the kind of duty he's pulling, but uh, you know, it, it's um, it's interesting. And then you know, you've got you know, a kind of a you know, an older soul in 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 Ekman Larson, Larson there, just kind of like almost playing like the role of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, mentor. can't think of the word. Yeah. That's the one. He's kind of like, oh, a, at, you know, look at that. Yeah, right? I finally it's... get to put
2: a word <laughs> in Tom's mouth.
1: Yeah. But it, it's a cool thing, you know, and, and you even got, um, you know, a, like a, a another old head, like, you know, Travis Hamanick, who was, you know, proud Islander for a long time Of course, there, uh, you know, kind of rounded it out. So, um, but I think it's, you know, the, the interesting thing to see is probably going to be, you know, in the next like year or two, how you know really the offense shakes out. You know, I know you've got, uh, you know, a couple of guys, you know, there. You got your uh, JT Miller, and um, I'm, I'm trying to like think because I'm not, I'm I'm like actually not looking at a roster right now, which is <laughs> usually usually what I do. But um, he'll just look at like a fantasy roster anyway. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, you guys got uh, Mark Yeah, Mark Messier. Uh, But no, I mean, like, you know, it's always interesting to kind of look at just because, um, you know, in this in in the relatively short term contract era, which is kind of like where I think the game is right now, with the exception of like your your real superstars. Right. You know, it's a lot of, you know, one year, two year, three year kind of deals. And that leaves a lot open. And I think that's kind of a place where your offense is, if I'm not mistaken. I think other than like, what is it, Pedersen and maybe. uh, garland i believe yeah he's i at, think uh
0: he's at five now yeah, yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of two like one two and three year mm-hmm. deals which like at the same time i think is is kind of as if like looking back at the last you know if we look back the last five years of kind mm-hmm. of vancouver hockey and and the types of deals that were signed over that um mm-hmm. which was like a lot of money and a lot of term for guys that weren't really necessarily contributing a lot yeah um you know kind of niche more like utility guys mm-hmm. um and in that deal for Oliver Ekman-Larsson, they shipped off all of them just to, to make the money work, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a, a really good player coming back in ekman Larson, but at the same time, he's signed for like I think another six or seven years. At like uh, after the retained salary, it's like seven point six or seven. So. It's, it's a lot, or two, yeah, or rough. I don't know. It's it's a lot mm-hmm. of money for sure, mm-hmm. um, and especially because it's been a flat cap, right? That's just. Um, when you factor yeah. in like Tyler Myers, I think he's making 6 million. So mm. I think Vancouver has like the most expensive blue line in the league. That's like not in a playoff spot or yeah. like or they're, they're like top three or something. It's like, it's actually crazy. So, um, as far as the rest of the forwards go, I mean, um, yeah, like, like Patterson's there for three years. That's just a bridge. Um, mm-hmm. and again, you know, I think that probably could have gone long, had a lot of the other, um, previous contracts had not been signed right um and really going back i think to about a uh, year and a half two years ago after the uh 1920 season just like the ownership and management here I, I don't know if they just didn't want to spend or something like that but there's a lot of reports of that mm-hmm. and they just kind of ended up letting a lot of the free agents go like they let uh Montana go to calgary look what kind of season they're having now mm, yeah um, yeah and like Insane. Tanov quite affordably too. I think he's only making like 4 million and they did the same with Toffoli that year too, which he just fetched yep. a first round trading again to Calgary. So it's kind of like, yeah. you know, all of these players were kind of here and something sort of was working. Um, but because of decisions that had been made previously kind of handcuffed their ability to maybe be competitive with a lot of those. Um, so it's a fan that's like, I, I think super disappointing um, right now uh, going into the season, everyone was really hopeful that uh, the offense was, was actually going to be like pretty potent. Like they're, you know, putting out the lineups and thinking like, um, like Patterson Miller and Besser as a first line, amazing. You got like Horvat probably and Pearson, maybe still together with mm-hmm. now you have Connor Garland. Like he was, he's usually leads like the league in like even strength point percentage because he's like not on the power play a lot, but he's still super efficient at scoring. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, and then a third line of, uh, we have like Hoaglander and Coles and, and they're you know, two rookies out of the 19 draft class, first and second round pick. I haven't necessarily produced a ton this year, but uh, you know, they're still like super young. So oh yeah, um, the fact that they're kind of holding it down at that age is pretty impressive. So I think there's a lot there. It is just mm-hmm. the, the, going to be the question of like shorter, the, the shorter contracts and if you're yeah. able to really too. the interesting thing has been the, the emergence of the fourth line of um, Mott, Lamico and Highmore. Um, they're all like, I think just on like one year deals, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. but for, I think Lamico, since the new coach has come in, I've read something that he, he's played 20 games and he has like 11 points or something, uh, like on the Damn. fourth line. Yeah. Not getting like any power play time at all. It's all like no. even strength or PK they're doing, they're matching up like hard against like, uh, I think in Toronto they matched up against the Matthews line and like, you know, crazy assignments. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah. I mean, like that's that's kind of um, that's like the the fourth line dream, as they say. It's like, you know, you kind of totally. are sit, sitting there on like a one year, one year deal. And all of a sudden you, uh, you know, you show everyone that you can you can play and make it work. And then, you know, that's kind of the whole idea with the Islanders. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, Zeger, Martin and, uh, you know, Cal are, are, you know, locked in for what they're locked in for. But uh, uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, let's, let's talk a little 2011 uh, just because I, I'd love to know. Oof. <laughs> I, as rough, rough as it is, um, at least, at least you can, you, you, you're able to say an oof because you got to the Stanley cup finals, which, uh, I, I don't even get the opportunity to oof that. Um, so, uh, but you know, I'm sure you remember where you were game seven. Uh, I mean, like it, it just, it sucked because uh, for me, a watching the Bruins win anything, um, it just goes back to this one kid, Mikey awesome. and I went to, went to high school with, uh, who, um, I, every time I think of the Bruins, I just think of like drop kicking him off the face of the earth. Um, and, uh, I won't mention his name, but Mikey knows who I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, it's just like, it, it was, it was a rough one. Um, and you know, I, I found it so interesting that like, you know, since the early nineties, right. I mean, like, a you know, a Canadian team hasn't been able to raise the cup. And, you know, this is another instance of one of them just getting so close, but um, let, you know, for game seven, at least, uh, you know, do you remember where you were? Do you remember who you were watching with? Do you remember uh, kind of how you were feeling? I mean, I'm, I, I know how you were going to tell me that you're going to be feeling and that's fine, but we'd just love to kind of hear your history about that. And,
0: I think uh, almost any like Vancouver fan will tell you uh, that going into game seven, they probably had a weird feeling that it was going to go very poorly because <laughs> after game five, uh, yeah, yeah. Vancouver won game five at home, mm-hmm. had a chance to close it out game six in Boston yeah. and got the, just the wheels beat off him. It yep. was like, I think it was like eight, nothing or something like that. Yes. Like just wacky, yeah, wacky rough, stuff. Rough. Um, so not a lot of confidence, uh, after that, right. You just have, uh, have the team that kind of came back and just really put it to you. And now you're coming back at home. It's, it's this, this is the last game. Uh, I don't know. I, I think especially, um, obviously I wasn't, I like, I, I don't, I wasn't like alive for the 94, 82 cup runs at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, so no frame or reference on that. (laughs) Um, but I can only imagine that, uh, having that knowledge in mind if like you had lived through that mm-hmm. and seeing this go down the way <laughs> you just kind of feel like a bad thing's gonna happen uh and i think that's kind of uh where most like canucks fans are at most of the time yeah. is like tuning in a game you're like this is either going to be like decent or this is going to go like extremely badly uh <laughs> you can't really there's no in between but game seven i was at uh i was at home uh i was just watching with my dad and uh, yeah, it, I just remember like being like, "Yeah, this sucks." Uh, I think we turned it off like with like five minutes left because it was like four nothing or something, yeah, yeah. and there was just
2: nothing happening. Uh, yeah, that's the, well. At least you guys didn't <laughs> lose one nothing on a shorthanded goal. Yeah, like we did to not make it to the the Stanley Cup, and it was rough this past year. But... Yeah. It is what it is. It, hockey. That was
0: actually wild. I remember, like, I was definitely rooting for the Islanders in that series uh, against the Lightning because, like, I, I don't know, it was cool. I guess as a, like Tampa was able to do it back to back, but at the same time, like, uh, the fact that it was that close at that juncture, it was, I don't know. I thought that would have been an interesting, uh, an interesting final.
2: Yeah, it could have been. Could have been. But... Also, Montreal might have won
0: the final in that case too. You never know.
2: Yeah, and then Canada would just burn to the ground.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Canada, at least Vancouver, sort of almost burned to the ground after the (laughs) most finals. And 94, too. Uh, Vancouver doesn't like losing. And like like a a world junior,
2: right? Like, weren't there riots after one of the world juniors, too? I don't know. There might have been. Either way, Canada and hockey, crazy. Don't mess with it. (laughs) So I I do want to talk just because of, you know, geographically where you guys are located, you know, Seattle got their new team. And uh, it's about, what, two and a half hours from you guys, two hours from you?
0: Yeah, uh, closer to if you're driving because of the border crossing too, I would say, like, realistically, door-to-door probably, like, four. But that's still,
2: like, nothing. So I I guess this season, since the border is still kind of – closed for for the most part do you know anyone that has like made the trek from vancouver because like can't you fly over
0: you can and you can you can drive now too it's just it's it's not necessarily the getting into america that's the problem it's uh it's been the the covid testing coming back uh -hmm. to get back into canada our government was requiring that we needed a pcr test uh taken within 72 hours to get back in but PCR tests usually take at least 24 to process unless you pay for the super rapid ones. Uh, and you can't like take if So for a day trip or just like a quick little overnighter, so, you know, do that. Not really, uh, I think, realistic for most people on top of that too, like ticket prices in Seattle because it's their first season. are just like, kind of out. Like they're crazy. I think for like upper bowl, like way in, way in the nosebleeds, it's like, well over like 150 us a ticket or something like that. At least when I looked for a, for a Canucks game, it was, which I would imagine they probably like hike it up because it's the, the regional rivalry or whatever, but for still sure. yep. um, kind of makes for an expensive time. But I'm honestly, I'm sure like next season um, or whenever like restrictions kind of change around um, like testing for re-entry. Um, I would imagine that a lot more people would go. Cause there's a lot of people from Vancouver and, and the surrounding areas that'll go down to Seattle to like watch the Seahawks and stuff. So, Yeah. Um, And like, even back to music too. Like, I will go to Seattle to like see certain like concerts. Like, if they're not, if the the bands are coming through Van, uh, and like I like them enough, I'll drive down there for for the night or whatever. Um, Got it. So
1: yeah, yeah, we we get that in um we get that in Orlando too. Just because um you know it it can be tough. You know, Orlando is one of those things where you know if you're going into Florida, especially you know into central florida or even if you're trying to get into south florida like you've got a you really have no other option you got to go back up right so you go down you go back up and i kind of feel like that's a lot of you know what can happen on the west coast in in vancouver i think especially because like other than that i mean like you'd really have to kind of like go up to vancouver and then probably shoot back down um you know and then come come back across you know west to east so i I, it it could be tough i get that but um you know as far as like um tours and i guess i just would love to kind of chat about that a little bit you know while we while we still have you there so um you know as far as like vancouver is concerned um you know and i know probably pre-covid you know the border was a lot easier to navigate but did you find that like a lot of um like bigger tours would kind of like extend themselves into vancouver or was it still not really very much so no It, it honestly
0: depends i think like um so a little bit uh, disappointing, but um, kind of through, I would say over the last, it's probably been happening for longer, but like I, at least since I've noticed for the last kind of five, six years, um, mm-hmm. like less and less uh, artists are coming through, at least, especially in like, in like, at least pop punk and like alternative music, if yeah. you will. Okay. Um, or if they are coming through, uh, it, it's not necessarily like the bigger uh artists that might be playing like club shows like kind of whatever 1500 2000 cap rooms or something like that so you're not really getting like the big shows you're either getting the really big like stadium size shows or you're getting um kind of like a couple hundred or like you know 100 cap kind of rooms and still like bands Mm -hmm. that are obviously like still really cool and some of my favorite but that are you know it's a it's a small room there's just not a lot of either i don't know if it's like a case of maybe not like great promotion or if it's not Mm. great like just not popular or if it's just the information isn't getting out to the to people or maybe people just like don't don't like it i don't know Mm, Um, yeah yeah it it, i really can't put my finger on it but um yeah it's been i think a lot of that so so more often than not it it is kind of like if if it is an artist uh that you really want to see, usually you gotta go to Seattle. Yeah. And even then it's kind of a, a crapshoot if they'll even hits like the Pacific Northwest at all. Because like, sp- like even from like a driving perspective, most um tours will even like just skip that part of the world so they don't have to cross like four mountain ranges or yeah, whatever it is. I was gonna say, you'll that's just true, you just go yeah. Bay Area and then you rip over to like Utah or
1: something. Yeah. Right. So I, it's 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 a tough, it's a tough thing, like to to think about i'm spoiled like that's really all i can say is i grew up on long island which was you know an hour away from manhattan where every tour came to and then it just so happened to be that when mikey and i were growing up long island was a hotbed for this kind of music so a lot of alternative music came to long island and now i'm in orlando which is a a relatively big hotbed for this kind of music and mikey's in charlotte which you know is another kind of major market you know i i I would probably say not as much comes to charlotte as does to orlando um but still i mean like we're spoiled i mean like i I can't imagine what it must be like to live in like middle america or like somewhere in like nebraska where like you have to go like god forbid you were into this kind of music like you'd have to go like six hours in any direction to see anything or just hope that like one of your favorite bands was like kind enough to do Like a secondary market style tour Like um you know call out the Wonder Years again like they were one of those bands that Did that like I, I forget what it was like maybe Three or four years ago but they're like hey we're gonna go On this like secondary market like Smaller kind of run where we're going to All of these like different areas that we normally don't Touch and it's like I can't imagine Like someone in Omaha is probably like oh thank God like this might be my only Opportunity to see this band I love without having to like Buy plane tickets and like I can't imagine that because like, and I mean you being in Vancouver, like obviously you have, you, you have that sentiment to a degree because if you want to see a tour, you've got to make a four hour hike. And it's like, I've never had to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is like a challenge. I mean, shout out to, to all of our friends in Omaha too. Like funnily enough, uh, (laughs) we've actually been through Omaha twice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like both times we've been down in the States, we've gone through Omaha for whatever reason. Uh, And uh, they've been nothing but kind to us. Uh, Mm -hmm great uh yeah great community that got there um but uh, no I mean obviously it is uh kind of a challenge I think to 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 be able to to see like shows and stuff like that that are you know that far away and having to do that and or just kind of missing out or whatever I mean it is what it is I think like to be honest some of the like my fondest memories are from uh you know going down to Seattle with my friends to see a show and then like driving back to Vancouver and getting back at like three in the morning like you know, like we, we, we do that quite often, like before COVID when I was a little younger. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, so it, it almost turns it into to a bit more of like an event, I guess, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like pretend that it's like the, the worst thing on earth or anything like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you course. could be yeah. Calgary, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, honestly, like Vancouver, especially like Toronto obviously has it the best for like getting stuff like that because like everyone will just roll through Toronto, obviously, right? Biggest city probably makes sense because uh, it's bigger than like some US cities in the area, right? So, um, you know, aside from having to cross border, kind of makes sense. Usually, if there's like Toronto, sometimes they'll do Montreal because that's only like five hours away. Um, but other than that, like you know, no one's rolling through uh Saskatoon, uh, or Winnipeg, <laughs> yeah, or Thunder Bay, so
1: uh, yeah, right, you know hmm. And uh, and, you know, just like now that I realize, like I, talking about like Omaha, Nebraska, like I, I like that probably wasn't the best example to give because like Saddle Creek is in Omaha and like cursive rules and bright eyes rule and Desaparecidos rule and the faint rule. And they're all from Omaha. So maybe I should have said like Sioux Falls, South Dakota or something. I don't know.
2: Hey, <laughs> don't talk shit about the spill canvas
1: oh yeah that's right they're the one band from south dakota (laughs) hi bryce how are you um but uh but yeah so i mean like you know but it's great that um canada itself i mean has like a pretty rich um you know like kind of pop punk and alternative scene to themselves i mean like you know there are are times where you know as an american like like i you know there are bands that i've wanted to see that I've only had the opportunity to see once or twice because they simply couldn't come across the border, you know, as often. I mean, one of my favorite bands probably of all time, uh, were Monine. I, you know, I love Monine, like one of my favorite bands. And I had the opportunity, I think to see them twice, but like, you know, I, they would play in Canada, like all the time, you know, And the same, same deal with like, you know, a lot of other, you know, Canadian bands and Alexis fire and fire and city in color. And, you know, um, you know, living with lions and like all these bands that like didn't really make it to the States as often. And you guys got them, which is great. You know, I love that, but I, you know, I'm, I'm jealous, man. I wish I could just like take a helicopter that like goes like the speed of light and just get to places and then be like, I'm here, play me a song, you know? But those yeah, I mean
0: that. the flight to Orlando <laughs> is only like, uh, I think it's only like four hours or something like that to, to Vancouver. So
1: Vancouver is a place I'm, I'm going to tell you, man, I'm, I'm still trying to, coerce my wife into doing it uh i really want to do uh portland seattle vancouver like i want to do that little kind of yeah dude, uh, park it there a, man yeah my uh one of my one of my good friends who we've had on the show my buddy joe lived in vancouver for a spell and said it's uh one of the most beautiful places he's ever he's ever been a part of so that respect man. So. Oh, dude, I I,
2: so. i'm not biased nick, nick <laughs> posted a picture from like one of your apartment's or maybe you were just like
0: oh yeah no that was yeah i think that was my old apartment yeah
2: oh my god and i was like that that's real huh that that's like an apartment yeah. that someone i know can afford because like <laughs> you you would think a a view like that would be like a million dollar view like you know yeah i, I, I and mean, it, it, it is and shit, like, like it,
0: it straight up is uh in that like the, the like the apartment I was renting was probably like worth that much or whatever. We just like crammed enough people in there that it made it work <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> uh, and like, luckily too, like, I don't know what happened with that place. Actually, it was Fraser. He had somehow stumbled into this, this apartment uh, with like a sick view. It was like right downtown, right above like Rogers Arena, like where the Canucks play. Um, and uh, it was like, I guess like a landlord who, uh, I probably bought the place like ages ago. Um, and I think the property had just like appreciated so much in value that she didn't really care too much about like specifically what she was making on rent. So the rent hadn't been raised like ever.
1: <laughs>
0: so by the time like we had taken over, um, because it had just been passed on from like friend to friend to friend, mm, and there had been yeah, like yeah. A, a handoff there with the landlord, we were just getting like stupid cheap rent, like right downtown, beautiful view. Uh so bit, bit of a lucky uh case there for sure. But uh Vancouver in general, honestly, like especially in the summer, I don't think you can beat it. Um,
1: yeah, love that. I absolutely love that. So, Nick, um, thank you so much, man, for for taking the time to be on here with us. Uh, Thanks. For I have one. Me. Yeah, of course, man. I have one final question, and I'm sure Mikey will as well. But, um, for me, what I would really love to know, um, so kind of regarding you know the new record, you know, coming out, you know, hopefully in the next few months, um, you know, whatever kind of plans you have to tour around them, which is which is awesome. Um, will we see this, uh, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but will we see this on vinyl? Oh yeah. Number one. And number two, um, what is the most limited colorway? And number three, can I have it? Uh, to
0: answer your question, yes, there will be vinyl. Uh, two, I don't think there's a, su- I, I think there's probably just going to be two. Okay. Uh, colorways. And there'll probably be equal quantity. Um, and three can you have it? of course I mean everyone okay. no can have it there unless you apparently you're in a certain country which you probably can't have anything from uh, can't have this, yeah. this this side of the ocean so can't have
1: anything right now you <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're in that predicament yeah. you, you sure can't. Um, yeah but awesome uh, that is great to hear um I, I uh, you know'm I, I always get excited when you know bands I like that have kind of um you know weren't on my radar. All of a sudden, have um, you know, an opportunity to kind of put stuff out in that form just because it's such a beautiful art form, it's so cool to have. Oh, right. So, super duper uh, excited to hear that uh, that'll be happening, and super duper excited to hear that uh, I'll uh, have to make a tiny investment in that. So,
0: yeah, all the uh, all the info on that, uh, I don't believe it'll be coming out uh, this come with this coming single. Uh, okay. so we'll be putting Team Wiped out uh, March. Tenth to the 4th something like that. Let me get the actual date so I <laughs> I, I seem uh, somewhat prepared here. Go for it. Yeah, it uh, it is going to be on uh, March. Yeah, actually March eleventh there. So nice. uh, next next Friday because um, it's the first right now. Uh, yeah, so that, that song is called Team Wiped, and then I believe uh, all the announcements about like the album and uh, all the vinyl and stuff like that will be made kind of shortly after that. Awesome, um, with uh, kind of three more songs until it comes out in July. So
2: hell yeah. So yeah. Nick, are we expecting a music video for Team Wiped? Oh, you sure are. Yeah, actually, uh, on that note, the uh, music
0: video for uh, three of our four singles uh, were filmed by uh, Miguel Barbosa, Yeah Films. He's done loads of videos for a lot of a lot of like pop punk bands and. Um, Canada, like around Toronto and also beyond, uh, this rate, too. Uh, so he actually just moved to Vancouver last year, and you're super stoked to link up with him. So I think the video for Team is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, there'll they'll be, uh, there'll be one out, uh, with that, uh, on I believe it'll be yeah, Friday, March 11th.
2: Sweet. Love to hear that. And I guess I have one follow up question just because I'm curious. You know, Mutant League, I guess a couple of years ago, Belmont was like, at the peak and they were crushing it for mutant league. Have they now passed the torch onto you? And do you feel like you guys have to, to help get mutant league out there and recognized as like the premier independent label?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there was like a passing of the torch or anything like that. I I don't really feel like we're like, I don't even think we're like the premier band on like mutant league. I mean, I certainly don't see like us as that maybe that I don't know if that that is like the case or not but um I don't know I I think like we're super proud to to be on Newton League and to be partnered with um Nate and Alex again and and you know like those guys have done nothing but good things for for our careers like we've they've really taken us from the ground up like I was saying earlier kind of when we were recording uh, nothing more than this and like working with Tim, like we had no clue what we were doing, you know what I mean? And just like somehow managed to get four songs together that sounded decent, that kind of sparked enough interest where, you know, we were able to turn that into a deal and then kind of here we are. Right. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know that you, uh, you know, we haven't really had that whole uh, again, like the, the viral moment, if you over like loads of people are like, you know, really, really like digging one song in particular Um, Not that you need that, but I think um, like Belmont was doing that a lot for Mutant League, uh, just in various ways The you know, they, when they were releasing those like overstepping and stuff like that, like, I don't think that had necessarily been done to that degree before that way, Uh, you know, kind of mixing in the almost like proggy medley elements into pop punk, but still having it like, you know, super bouncy, but also like weirdly, mathy in a way too with some of like the fills and stuff it was really cool stuff right um, yeah so i don't yeah i don't know if we're uh, carrying the torch necessarily but uh, if we are uh, yeah i guess so we're uh, we'll do it
1: carry away my friend love Let's to go. hear it so nick man thank you so much for being on here with us again uh you know we'll we'll have you back a million times uh hopefully the next time we have you back uh it, it'll be to celebrate uh the new record or maybe it'll be to celebrate uh the canucks success i mean it certainly won't be to celebrate the islander success because uh as of recording this uh, we're playing the Avs, and i guarantee you we're gonna get beat like 14 to nothing so that's gonna be great Uh, i'm gonna go drown my sorrows in lucky charms and soy milk so uh on that note hey man thank you so much for being with us always a pleasure uh really super stoked for for what's to come for chief state and uh we can't wait to hear Uh, you know, the new, uh, you know, the new jams and all that kind of stuff. I mean, technically we've, we probably, we've, we've heard them, but you know, like everyone else, you all, I'm really stoked for all of you to hear them. And this is the perks. If you want to hear some stuff uh, early, uh, you start your own uh, hockey and music podcast, and then you'll get a cool perk like that. But until then we're the perk guys, you're Nick. Thank you so much for being with us. You have a great rest of your night. Go Canucks, go Chief State, Vancouver, the end.
0: True. And also go Canucks on Thursday against the <laughs> Islanders. Ah, oh. It'll be fine. It'll
1: be fine. Where does this, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's not, it's <laughs> it'll either go fun. great
0: or badly for one of us.
1: <laughs> I could probably tell you how it's going to go, especially if Char is going to be on the ice. I don't know if he if he still has legs left. I don't know, but we'll see. But uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, it's been real. Thank you so much for being with us, and we will see you on the other side. But uh, awesome, man! Thank you so Likewise. much. Thanks it's for having a great me. Great night, man.
2: You bet. Yep. See you, Nick. Cheers.